0: As far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a Cutlass, your host, Davram! Welcome back to Pirate Talk Radio. This is episode 86. I am Davram, and I appreciate each and every one of you spending your week here on the show. And uh, we've got a lot of things to, to look at, again, before anyone's concerned. Um, by the time this episode's out, not like normal, uh, when a uh, adventure releases on a Thursday, um, like normal... We will not be going into spoilers of the actual adventure. I play the adventure the first weekend, sometimes the first part of the week, the second week. So, uh, the episode leading into the adventure, uh, never has any sort of, um, in any sort of 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 spoilers. So you don't have to worry about that. We will be talking about the trailer uh, as the trailer released uh, uh just a couple days ago uh and the adventure will be out here in a day or two uh, from time of recording and it's got me excited so we're going to talk about that we've got some news to talk about just to remind you guys about some twitch drops that are going that, that will be going on over the weekend of the adventure um, and uh, and then we're gonna to start to dive into a topic that everyone's been wanting me to talk about um, i I briefly mentioned it when it first came out after I did some testing uh, and that's the sovereigns uh, I want to talk about um, why they were implemented um, the history uh, that this particular uh, group um, fulfills in our real world um, and uh, my my thoughts on basically did Sea of Thieves implement this correctly, um, was it implemented for a certain reason um, versus story, you know, wh- where do the sovereigns go from here and who do they represent in the real world because they definitely represent a group um, in the real world and in the history of piracy in our wonderful world. So Without further ado, let's thank the patrons. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who continues to support both through just listening and visiting the content, but especially to the patrons who are financially contributing to my content each and every single month. Skamelt666 Lane and Registella, thank you for your continued support of this con- uh, of this content through the Patreon. And if anyone is interested in the Patreon, it's patreon.com slash TV, And you get a series of perks uh, by becoming a member as low as $1 a month. And those perks are... You don't have any adverts when you listen to it. You get your own RSS feed through the Patreon, and you'll get no annoying adverts uh, from the, uh, the site here um, and stuff like that. So the, the site that hosts uh, the podcast does do advertisement. So um, if you are a patron as low as $1, you'll have access to that RSS feed and will not uh, get adverts in your listening Pleasure. You also going up from the one dollar. You can get T-shirts. Uh, you can get custom customized holiday cards, etc., etc. Um, if we reach certain milestones, uh, there will be different sorts of unlocks, such as enamel pins, pirate talk radio enamel pins. So a lot of things to check out. Uh, again, you can check that out over at patreoncom slash TV. You can see all the information um, over there. So let's talk about the news, okay? So the new adventure will be coming out here in in just a day or uh, uh, two days. Uh, It comes out on a Thursday, I believe. usually does. Uh, This obviously releases on Saturday. Um, So many of you may have already played it or are getting ready to play it. Um, So you'll know what happens. Um, I don't. I have no clue. I am past dev room um, so we're going to speculate about that but while you are playing the adventure or whatever you're doing this weekend make sure um, that if you would like some cosmetics it's the eastern winds uh, it's the reskin of the ashen weapons it's a reskin of the uh, the jade winds uh, they've got the dragons on them and things like that there is a reskin available on twitch drops right now they look really great um, and they are black and gold um, and You'll get the entire weapon set. All that you have to do is watch a partnered Sea of Thieves streamer um, for one hour for each weapon. And you can do that all in one day. Um, You know, it it accumulates over time, so you don't have to watch one day and then wait till the next. You can watch it all in one day. Just make sure each hour of viewing, you go up to uh, your Twitch box uh, up in the top. uh, If you're on a browser up in the top uh, right, if you're on your mobile, I think it's top left on your mobile. Um, And make sure you claim that drop because you will not get progress in the next drop unless you've claimed the previous drop. So make sure you do that. And also make sure you've linked your Twitch account to your Sea of Thieves account. Um, Again, you can do that by going to Twitch, going to the drop section under your profile, um, finding the Sea of Thieves campaign, clicking on it, and there will be some linking there. You can also go to the Sea of Thieves website to link your account um, as well. Make sure you're linking the uh, appropriate account. You can link any Microsoft account you want to um, to uh, Twitch and whichever account you link is the one that's going to get the drops. so if it's not your normal Sea of Thieves account if someone else logged in, if you've got multiple Xbox accounts, make sure you're logged into the proper one and linking it to Sea of Thieves because it will give the drops to whoever uh, from your account to whichever Microsoft account you've got linked. So make sure you have the correct account linked so that way you get your drops. Uh, and again they usually arrive pretty quickly but can can take up to 72 hours. But link your account, watch uh, one hour per weapon, and make sure you claim uh, in between uh, each weapon. So every hour you have to c- uh, click a claim button, and then the next um, set will start to, or the next weapon will start to uh, unlock for you. So the trailer. Now, I was very critical of the last uh, trailer that uh, happened, the one for um, Siren's prize. I was very critical as it didn't hype me up. It had some interesting, uh, you know, it was a great, um, you know, animated trailer, good voiceovers. They do that well, but there wasn't a lot of hype. There wasn't a lot of things that got me excited in it. And as I talked about with that adventure, there wasn't a lot in that adventure that got me excited either. There was a lot of cool lore stuff that was interesting to, uh, to, to read about in all the journals or the runes that were, um, in each area but the overall adventure to me was lackluster um especially the ending the ending had this really cool battle that was fun to do rare was smart by putting the rain in so you couldn't cheese it with fire bombs but then once you beat it it was just kind of like nothing like it it didn't it didn't have a nice uh uh ending you know just the the ritual stopped and w- well okay i guess we completed it um and and so just like it entered it kind of entered with a flaccid approach and it exited with a flaccid approach now the content in between the meat and potatoes of the sandwich if you will was quite good. Um, obviously, you all know how I feel about the Sunken Kingdom. I don't think the Sunken Kingdom is very good. Um, on the lines of you have to leave your ship unattended uh, if you want everyone to be able to take part in the Sunken Kingdom. That is why I don't like the approach of the Sunken Kingdom. It is a beautiful place. It's got a cool, a lot of cool puzzles and things like that in it. But the sheer concept of leaving your ship unattended is is just the 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 basis and the foundation of why I don't like. The sunken kingdom Um, That's just how it is your ship is everything in my mind. The ship was everything in the in in, in the in the world of pirates uh, back in history. And so the concept of having something in the game where everyone to take part in the content has to leave the ship, and you so you have no lookout. You're you're basically caught with your pants down out there just to do content. Is just a, a really bad design choice in my mind. It's not going anywhere. Clearly, it's not going anywhere. Um, and and with the use of the sunken kingdom in both the mystery and the adventure, clearly. Sea of Thieves is and and Rare are very much behind their decision to do Sunken Kingdom and are very much not going to be changing the concept of you have to leave your ship or someone has to stay behind and not get to participate get I personally think that's 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 flawed design but they are clearly behind it they're backing it they're backing their play and they're going to stand behind it we're not going to get the change to the sunken kingdom that I would like to see which is more of like a uh, a portal or something like that which protects your ship um and and allows everyone to do the content yes you get kind of cheesy with it and you don't have to worry about any ships, but you do have to come back through that portal to, to sell and someone can intercept you there. The entire concept of leaving your ship is just, just dumb and bad. In my opinion, especially solo players out there, they've got no choice, uh, but to leave their ship. Um, right. So again, that, uh, that, that point aside, I could beat a dead horse on this for, for weeks and months. If, if, if I had to rare is not going to change it. Sunken kingdom is here to stay. And that's just how it is. But now we have a another trailer out, and we have the Herald of Flame is this installment of the um, of the uh, the the latest trilogy of adventures. Now, keeping in mind, Sirens Prize was the first installment, right? This is the second installment, which means the next adventure will be the final installment of this trilogy, which means that should be the epic finale based on how these adventures were designed. I got very excited about this trailer. Let me just tell you the fact that we haven't seen or heard from Stitcher Jim since heart of fire, you know, years ago when that tall tale came out and we don't know what happened to him. We don't know where he is. He's just kind of went missing. And every time Mike Chapman has been approached of it, he's like, yep, Stitcher Jim's out there somewhere. We'll see him again someday. And that's all you get. You don't know where, um, you don't know What happened after the Rage Chest? You don't know what Stitcher Jim looks like. Maybe he's lost a hand. Maybe he's lost a foot. Maybe he's lost an eye. I don't know. Uh, But, you know, he gets burned by the Rage Chest. Clearly upset uh, as Flameheart promised him to become one of the Ashen Lords. And that prophecy, apparently, or so we know, hasn't been fulfilled. We have Ashen Lords that have been introduced with Ashen Winds. None of them are named Stitcher Jim. We haven't seen him. The last time we saw him, he was being escorted away or tended to um, tended to by uh, Wanda. Uh, you know, um, And we know at this point, um, Wanda's not a big fan of Flameheart. Right, Wanda and the Dark Brethren. She's she's cast away her her former uh, her, her her former love interest, and she has now moved on uh, and started the Dark Brethren. And we don't know how Stitcher Jim is now. Up until this trailer, we don't know what his mindset is. Um, he was obviously dedicated to Flameheart very very closely he had a promise that uh he was going to become an ashen lord Uh, in the heart of fire he clearly opens the chest of of rage he's been you know kind of i guess gone insane slash tormented by looking in the boxes of wondrous secrets you know the man has had a rough life in search of this power that he believed that flameheart uh was going to be able to give him um clearly that power was not given to him to our knowledge and he wa- he he ventured away with Wanda. Fast forward to now in the Herald of Flame. We are in um we are in Liar's Backbone I think is it Liar? No, it's not Liar's Backbone. Is it uh crap, I don't remember which island that is. Um where Flameheart's coffin is. Crap, why can't I remember that? I don't remember. There you go. Ashen reaches is the Ashen reaches. No, it's not Ashen reaches. I don't remember. Someone's going to tell me in the comment section, call me an idiot. That's fine. I am an idiot. Um, It's in the intro. Okay. It's in the intro that I am an idiot. So by all means, call me an idiot in the YouTube comic uh, comment section, you know, Uh, tweet me that I'm an idiot that's absolutely fine I acknowledge it in my intro the the very beautiful sexy voiced man that does my intro you know he's not cheap by the way he is not cheap that cost me a lot of money to have that voiceover done in that intro okay all right I had to reach out to this very very famous voice actor to do that intro and line it up perfectly with my pirate dancing and all that stuff and the walking and the lantern okay all right, and the the announcer, the very beautiful, sexy voiced announcer, says that I am an idiot. So you call me an idiot. That's fine. I accept it. I accept it. And I don't remember the name of the island, but it it, it appears because Flameheart's coffin's there. Um. And Stitcher Jim is kind of getting frisky freaky with the, uh, with the skull of Flameheart. He's kind of holding it in his hand and and singing to it. Uh, if you had, uh, Stitcher Jim sing along, um, on your bingo card for Sea of Thieves 2022, congratulations. I don't think many people had that on their bingo card. I know I didn't. Um, (coughs) but, uh. We've got a nice little Stitcher Jim sing-along going on. Uh where he's diddling uh uh Flame skull, and uh it's the same skull that we saw in Heart of or in uh Seabound Soul. Um it's got the the crack in it from where uh Pendragon released Flame soul um <coughs> into the giant shit talking head in the sky. Um all the details are there. And Stitcher Jim proceeds to um, sing to us and put the skull in its place on the shoulders of the corpse of Flameheart, um, And it's, it's a really nicely done artistic, beautiful uh, trailer. Uh, and the final part of it is uh stitcher. Jim walks away from the, the coffin picks up the, what, i'm assuming is the chalice of resurrection it is a chalice he lifts it up and it's got some red swirling magic looking you know order of souls in it and he says it's time um now things that we can pick up from on this uh number one uh stitcher jim is clearly suffering the effects of the uh the chest of rage uh Stitcher Jim has successfully become a trash and lord because he has the trash and curse on. Okay. We we know what that curse means in Sea of Thieves. Uh, it, it, it just means you like to glow and and you're new. Okay, that's what it means. I know there's a lot of veteran players out there that wear the trash and curse. I can't stand glowing things in this game. I know they're pretty and people like the all oh, pretty lights, but they're dumb. It's awful. Like. I don't like glowing shit in this game. And the trash and curse was one. It was the first curse I got, uh, because I got it from all the, the beginning stuff with all the, the ashen chests and got the full trash and outfit. Um, and then realized how dumb it was to look like a Christmas tree, uh, on a game where sometimes you got to be sneaky, stealthy. And, and, you know, at least if you're not wearing anything that glows, even if you wear a bright green jacket like my pirate, you can still kind of blend in and 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 hide every so often if you're running from someone uh, to get a better uh, strategic position to fight them. But if you're glowing like a damn Christmas tree, it's not going to happen. But Stitcher Jim clearly has become a Trashen Lord. Now, is he an Ashen Lord? It doesn't appear to be. Now, we don't know based on this what type of. Power he has. Um, all that we know is he's been, he's got the ashen curse. Right, the chest of rage has successfully imparted all that Jim magic in him, and he's glowing red with fire, with the cracks and the the glowing fingers and and toes and things like that. Um, clearly cursed. Uh, with the ashen, with the trashin. Okay, he has now become. He's went from Stitcher Jim to Trash Panda real quick. Except he's not fat and fluffy. He's just skinny. He needs to eat some more bamboo. So he's he's been cursed, but we don't know what type of power he has. And this is what brings me to my first. I want to. I'm going to do a little speculation slash concern with this particular adventure this is the first one we're gonna get back to how good the trailer was and other things that we can take from the trailer but this is my first concern okay stitcher jim wanted to be an ashen lord that did not happen in heart of fire he is clearly has the the trash and curse now and but he doesn't look like the other Ashen Lords, right? The other Ashen Lords are oversized; they're kind of they're skeletons that are rotting away. He is clearly not a skeleton. He has clearly still got fleshiness on him. He is clearly still a man, just cursed. Um, he is he is clearly just like the old Stitcher Jim, only he glows like an orange and strawberries now. Okay, he glows like a freaking citrus uh, fruit bowl, but. We don't know what type of power he has, and this really concerns me about how this adventure is going to go. I feel like, because every adventure normally has some sort of fight at the end, there's usually some sort of battle or payoff that we get at the end that we have to take part in. Usually, there's been a couple exceptions to that rule. But I feel like how we're leading into this, I believe that we're going to fight something. And I believe that um, whatever's happening here, we're going to try to stop what appears to be the resurrection of Flameheart. And thus, if Stitcher Jim is... Trying to resurrect Flameheart. We're going to probably have to fight Stitcher Jim. Now, Stitcher Jim looks like a a, a toothpick is having a bad day. Um, he's pretty skinny and I'm pretty sure my pirate could look at him and he would just fall apart because I got a fat pirate. But I feel like we're going to have to fight Stitcher Jim. Now, the question is, what type of power does he have now that he's cursed? And I do not. I repeat this very clearly. And by the time this comes out, some of you will know for sure and know if I'm going to be pissed off next week when I do my review of this particular adventure. What I do not want to see is them copy paste the Ashen Wins battle fight onto Stitcher Gym, and that is the final fight of this adventure. Okay, let me make this very clear again. I do not want to see. I will blow my ever-living top if all that they do is take the Ashen Wins boss fight from one of the Ashen Lords and just copy-pasta it onto Stitcher Gym And we fight Stitcher Jim, and it's just like the Ashen fight. That would be absolutely disappointing. It would be a travesty. We've seen Sea of Thieves make this mistake multiple times, where they take the easy way out. They've got a great creative team, a great team over there that can create some awesome shit. We have seen it. We know they can do it. But we have seen time and time again, as they make these great lore and great cinematic moments, they they cut it short by just copying something they've already done and pasting it onto this and telling us it's something new and cool. Okay. Yes, if Stitcher Jim truly is an Ashen Lord, he should have some of those same powers. I agree. But... We're talking about a dude trying to protect Flameheart's coffin, trying to protect or trying to resurrect his master, someone he is loyal to, someone he has dedicated his life, burned the ever-living shit out of him, and now looks like a light-up Christmas tree because of this skeletal box, the skeleton in the box. This little dude... Right here, if you're on the YouTube, right there, Flameheart, there he is. He's If you're watching the YouTube, I got a little Flameheart statue here. If you're on the podcast, well, you can't see it, but he's cool. Flameheart, right there, skeleton in a box. We set him free early. Like, literally, this dude has pledged his life, everything he has. He's bur- He's got burned by this dude. He is committed to Flameheart, but he's also a pirate, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But he's committed to pl- Flameheart. He's going to defend Flameheart if we're set to go and stop this, which obviously that is where Rare is guiding us in the storyline, right? We don't want Flameheart to come back, okay? He was annoying as hell when he was a shit-talking flaming skull in the sky. Now, if he comes back in regular form, knowing the history, he almost took over the Sea of Thieves last time, now he's had a long time to sit there and stew, get more powerful and pissed off. We do not. The pirate lord does not want Flameheart to to, to hit the seas. Now, someone like me, who is a fan of Flameheart, who would definitely follow Flameheart, maybe try to overthrow him. But you know, we got to start somewhere. I'm okay with him being resurrected because I think that'd be cool. But. Rare's not probably going to give us that choice. It would be so cool if they gave us that choice, like to help resurrect Flameheart or not to, that would be sweet. But I have a feeling they're going to be pushing us towards stopping the resurrection of Flameheart, making us the quote unquote good guys, right? And I fear that Stitcher Jim is going to be the person that is in the middle the herald of flame, if you will, someone herald is someone who like announces someone, right? A herald is, is, is like, you know, the trumpeters, you know, bah, 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 the king is here type thing. Uh, that's a herald. Someone who announces the, the king, to herald, right? Herald of flame, someone who is announcing the return of flame, you know, like almost, almost like, you know, Stitcher Jim's the guy that's announcing it, bringing him back. Returning the world to flame. Huh? See herald of flame. That's what I think they're going with here. And I feel like that means that stitcher Jim's going to be the person or the creature, uh, with the ashen curse and everything that stops us. And I just really do not want to see them take the easy way out on this and copy paste the ashen Lord move set. So basically you're doing an ashen winds event, um, Um, on on this, I, I think that would be a very big disappointment. It needs to have more substance, either some big lore drops, some big information. Um, and it needs to have some of some, some variety in the move sets. You know, we've got, I have talked about this many, many times before sea of thieves is very basic in their move sets, right? This is ultimately a sandbox pirate adventure game. And so It's not World of Warcraft. We're not expecting different boss mechanics every single time they bring something out. A little copy paste is necessary, but we have seen the slammy, the resurrection, the one blundies. For so long from the, from the, the skeletal Lords. And then we get the Ashen Winds. And what do we get? The resurrection. We do get the flamethrower spitter and we get the calling from the sky, the, the Skittles that rain from the sky or, or the meatballs as some people call it. But guess what? We've now seen that. And then they create the fort of fortune and you mix them up. It's nothing new. So my fear is that they're going to do the exact same thing here with Stitcher Jim or whoever we have to fight who's protecting this resurrection process with Flameheart. They're just going to be an Ashen Wins boss. Now, if they do something like, hey, you know, Grimm's there or Cheese there or Red Roost there or maybe multiple of them are there trying to protect this. Okay, that's pretty sick. Multiple Ashen Lords there protecting. That makes sense. And that would be really interesting because then you could potentially have two Ashen Lords or three or four that are on different phases at the same time. So let's take the example of maybe two. We've got Red Ruth and Grim there and you get Red Ruth to phase three, but Grimm's only in phase two. So you've got rocks falling from the sky and you've got Grimm, you know, throwing boulders and blowing fire. And then all of a sudden you kick Grimm over to phase three and then you got rocks from the sky on Ruth. And then, and then you're like, okay, I'm safe. I can run that. And then rocks fall from the sky from Grimm. That would be interesting. It would still be a copy and paste, but it makes sense, right? That's the power that those particular villains have. Stitcher Jim is a blank slate, and even if he is somehow turned into a a ashen lord somehow, however, that may happen, we don't see that in the trailer, but if that were to happen... It would make sense that he has a similar moveset, but I would like to see them, since this is a one-time limited adventure, to really give a character that we've just not seen for a while, we've had a lot of questions about, some people really like Stitcher Jim, would be really nice to see an honoring of that character that has been part of the Sea of Thieves story for a long time, and not just make him a copy-paste. So that is my concern with uh, with this Herald of Flame and and what I'm seeing as the writing on the wall based on the history of what Sea of Thieves has done in the past with boss, bo- boss fights. I hope they surprise me. I hope next week when we're talking about my review of this particular adventure, I hope it's all positive because this trailer has got me hyped. I'm loving it. I'm excited about it. I can't wait this weekend to play it, but. That is my first concern is that we're going to see another copy pasta um with boss mechanics and it's just going to be lame. The other interesting piece here that I've talked that, that I'm thinking about is what if Stitcher Jim is resurrecting Flameheart so he can kill him finally for all time. Flameheart betrayed Stitcher Jim. Stitcher Jim did everything Flameheart wanted, but Stitcher Jim is still not an Ashen Lord. Flameheart's chest of rage burnt Stitcher Jim, gave him the Ashen curse, and the last we saw of Stitcher Jim until this trailer was he went off with Wanda, who is now an enemy of Flameheart. So what type of interaction did Wanda have with Stitcher Jim? Did she have any interaction with him? We don't know. Will we find that out? What type of things did Wanda impart into Stitcher Jim about Flameheart? Is Stitcher Jim resurrecting Flameheart in a way where Flameheart's weak and Stitcher Jim is going to help us kill Flameheart once and for all? It's October. We don't have that many more weeks before the end of the year in terms of, um, in terms of adventures, right? The adventures do not come out, but every couple weeks we've got season eight on the horizon. And we already know in season eight that there is going to be, um, maybe the first hint of the golden age of piracy with, with potentially a revamp of new golden sands into the first pirate city potentially. So is Stitcher Jim going to help us kill Flameheart, resurrect him and then kill him? Or is Stitcher Jim still completely bound to Flameheart? His mind has been corrupted by fire and by the uh, the box of wondrous secrets. Maybe he's completely and utterly just bound to Flameheart, and I I I am going to be sad if Stitcher Jim does not somehow you know betray Flameheart. He's a pirate. He's still a pirate. And Flameheart backstabbed him, so you know, turnabout's fair play. But we finally get to see what again I'm going to call the chalice of resurrection. It looks it looks slightly different, I believe. Um, I, I during our sales and tales Monday stream, um, we haven't done the Morning Star Tall Tales, so I don't really remember what the chalice was for the Gray Marrow Morning Star uh, Tall Tale. Um, but it appears that this. Potentially is the chalice of resurrection uh, and that the resurrection of Flameheart is upon us. Now, knowing that this story is supposed to come to the end by the end of the year, I don't think we're going to be destroying Flameheart's body, his soul or anything um, in this adventure. I believe that this is Um, just starting to lead to something bigger and better. Um, I think that there's going to be some more turnabouts uh, in this before we get to the end of the year. I feel that there's going to be a period of time where um, they're going to have Flameheart basically almost control the Sea of Thieves again. I feel like that's where it's heading, where we're going to be beaten back by a resurrected Flameheart to a point where the Pirate Lord may be almost defeated and then we can turn it around somehow in the end and save the Sea of Thieves and finally banish Flameheart forever or solve an issue with that. But I feel like that's where it's going. This is going to be the start of the resurrection, but it's not going to be the full resurrection. But we shall see this weekend. I just really hope that they do something very interesting because this trailer was very well done. We even got a Shelley appearance again. This trailer was very well done. Loved that it was like a little musical thing. Um, I loved all the artwork. I love that it took us back to to Seabound Soul uh, and the the, where the coffin of Flameheart is. I was very excited about all this. Um, I I think it's going to be very, very, very cool. Um, And a few things that I noticed uh, last weekend when we were streaming is since this adventure has been. You know, the week weekend before this adventure comes out, um, the latest, the patch we talked about last week, some changes have happened in the world, um, namely at Reaper's Hideout. Um, if you look closely at Reaper's hideout, you will notice that the runes on the ground inside the hideout itself are no longer glowing. You can also clearly see through the uh, grate of the of the the floor and it appears that the lava has started to recede and you can almost start to see what appears to be some sort of cave uh, underneath. Um, but the runes have started stopped glowing there at Reaper's hideout. And the runes on the casket of Flameheart itself in the trailer were actually glowing. So the runes at Reapers have stopped glowing and the runes around the casket have started glowing. So very interesting thing there um, to to catch up on, like the power that the, the power of Reapers hideout, that power that we believe is contained underneath the hideout, that glowing mystical stuff. Is seems to be somehow transferred now to where Flameheart's coffin is, uh, maybe through the power of that chalice. Uh, Who knows? Maybe the chalice of resurrection was always under that grate with the chalice symbol on top. But I'm super stoked about this adventure. I'm super excited. I just hope I don't get disappointed in that the fact that they go the easy route and just copy paste something and it's just a glorified Ashen Winds event. That is what I'm hoping they do not do. All right. Let's talk about the Sovereign. So I I have teased that I've been that that I would be planning on doing a um an episode on the Sovereign. Um and I I I still plan on doing a whole episode on Sovereign eventually. Maybe not the Sovereign um uh, maybe not the the Sovereign in the game but Again, a little more history about it. Uh, today, I just want to to start to talk about why, I think Rare did what they did on the Sovereign and instituted them the way they did. Um, I disagree with how they instituted them. They don't line up on a storyline. They don't line up on a historical accuracy line. And they don't line up on a game balance line at all. Um, They don't hit any of the checkboxes that I would be looking for for this particular feature. But I want to start... With the definition of sovereign, what this group is called, the sovereign, the definition of sovereign is a supreme ruler, a monarch, a former British gold coin worth a pound sterling and now minted for commemorative purchases. Okay, so sovereign was a coin and it was also defined, the number one definition is a supreme ruler, okay? So let's get that out there first. Supreme Ruler. We know that there is an organization that we have not seen in the Sea of Thieves yet. We know they're out there. We've seen it in books, and we've seen it referenced to in the game, specifically with the Merchant Alliance. And that group is uh, the Grand Maritime Union, Sea of Thieves' version of the Uh, East India Trading Company, okay? A lot of folks have speculated and thought and done done research and really feel that the sovereign are kind of the scouts, if you will, of the Grand Maritime Union. A group coming into the Sea of Thieves from outside – Because that's where the Grand Maritime Union is, right? They're outside the Sea of Thieves. People, the Sea of Thieves pirates and and have came here. You know, the, the Merchant Alliance. They were once part of the Grand Maritime Union. They came to the Sea of Thieves to get away from the Grand Maritime Union and the way they did things. A lot of folks believe that the Sovereign are the first scouts, if you will, of the Grand Maritime Union. So let's look at... The history of piracy here in our world, because again, Sea of Thieves takes place in our world. It's just it's surrounded by the shroud, which allows for everything that happens. Before I get too deep in this, I know I'm going to see it in the comment section. I know I'm going to get DMs. I know I'm going to get tweets. I know I'm going to get emails. I want to start by saying this. I don't care if you say it's a fantasy game. I don't care if you say, but there's magic. I don't care that you say there's sirens and that there's ocean crawlers and there's skeletons that raise from the ground and there's ghost ships. I don't give a damn. It has been said time and time again that Sea of Thieves exists inside of our world in a time period before the golden age of piracy and that there are very few natural-born people that were born and have lived their entire lives in the Sea of Thieves. They have came in from the outside world. So before anyone starts talking about magic and all that bullshit, please note the outside world, our world in this time, had a economic system of trade. From the monarch-controlled Europe with the New World. Sea of Thieves takes part in the New World. The New World being the Bahama Islands, Cuba, uh, the Caribbean. Somewhere down there would be where the Sea of Thieves is surrounded by the Shroud. There is an economic system that is established in this time. It is historically studied and there's a lot of shit written about it. We know what that economic system is. That's not to say that someone coming from the outside world into Sea of Thieves wouldn't change that economic system, but there are certain things throughout the entire history of economics that are true. One is you got to make money. That is the point of everything is making money. So if the Sovereign, regardless of the part of the Grand Maritime Union or not, they've came into the Sea of Thieves and they've set up shop in our outposts. Very elaborate shops, mind you. Very elaborate. Has an elevator system, has beautiful silk-looking, or they might be sales, but silk-looking, you know, a roof, if you will, draped over them inside, very fancy, you know, trinkets and things laying around. Right. And though the actual character models kind of looked a little rough for wear, some of them a little piratey, if you will, they all have the nice fluffy hair of the royals of the time or rich people of the time. And they clearly portray themselves as being rich in our world outside of the veil. There were often times the crown would send out scouts or parties to places that they would want to build a colony to start setting that up. Now they're not going to send some lord of the highest castle manor to do this. They don't know what necessarily is out there. And if you're talking about a group sending people in through the veil or the shroud into the sea of thieves, you think they're going to send their brightest? You think they're going to send their most powerful, you know, captains and Lords? No, you're going to send people who are people With authority who can get shit done, but who are slightly expendable where if they don't come back, well, oh, well, that's who you're going to send because we have to keep in mind the word outpost. These are not cities. These are not colonies. These are outposts. These are what happened before the city before the colony. These are what are set up in places before you turn on the engine of economics in the area, before you start bleeding the area dry, if you will. You have to measure its productivity and profitability before you decide, hey, I'm going to turn this into a colony and make a shit ton of money off of it. You still have to measure its profitability A place like Nassau, the the capital of the golden age of piracy, something that a lot of people believe that we're going to get, not Nassau itself, but something like Nassau, a Sea of Thieves version of Nassau, a lot of people believe we'll get that at least the start of it in season eight. And I am one of those. So it makes sense that a scout group of the Grand Maritime Union or the ruling class, if you will, the crown, has decided to scout the Sea of Thieves before they decide to put a colony in to test its profitability. I promise you, stick with me. We're getting there. We are getting there, okay? It's a long journey. There's a lot of forks in this one, and we got to get to the meat and potatoes of the entire thing. We've got to get to the lump That is the problem with the sovereign and we're about to get there. So stick with me. We've got outposts. We have what seems to be the entrance of the golden age of piracy or the start of the entrance of the golden age of piracy with a pirate city potentially coming in season eight. We've got this group who are scouting the outpost for profitability for what we believe is the grand maritime union and their name literally means the ruler or ruling class following me so far. So, why are the sovereigns a problem when it comes to history and story? Why do they not make sense? Simple. They do not follow any economic system known in this time period. We know that this is existing just before the golden age of piracy. We haven't got there yet. Mike Chapman has said so. But there is not going to be a ruling elite class who is going to be okay with not taking a cut. And yes, I've heard the argument. They're doing it now for favor. You don't know history if you believe that. If you are stating well they're coming in because they're trying to show good favor and good build good faith with the outpost folks so that way they will trust them and you clearly do not know history a group that rules a group called the sovereign or monarch group right they don't give a damn about gaining favor All they care about is that they can assert their massive man junk on you and you give them shit and they make money off of you. That's what they care about. They care about keeping you happy enough that they are making profit. And when they first enter a place study history, they don't give a damn about the people that are there. They do not care. They don't care. So the fact that the sovereign is a trading location that f- that we'll talk about the game design side in a second. We're just talking about the story and history right now. The fact that there is a group that is accepting all everything except like flags and those things. Those still go to rebirths, but they will accept everything and they will give you full value for it. And they will give the items to the Gold Hoarder, the Merchant Alliance, and the Order of Souls without taking a cut. Because those items are worth a certain amount of money to the Gold Hoarders, the Order of Souls, and the Merchant Alliance. So they buy them from us at full price, and they sell them to the the Gold Hoarder, the Order of Souls, the Merchant Alliance at the same price. Therefore, they're making no money. That makes zero sense of a group called the sovereign in this time of history, how it would work and how it did work and how people coming to the sea of thieves would understand it to work. I buy stuff from pirates at a reduced cost and then I sell them to the people who want them at cost and I pocket the difference. So if I buy a treasure chest and the treasure chest is worth a thousand gold pieces, I would buy it from the pirate at 600 gold pieces. I would sell it at a thousand gold pieces and I would make 400 gold pieces. That's how it would work. Why was that system something accepted by the pirates? Simple. The pirates didn't want to get hung. Pirates did their piratey business sold their goods to sovereigns or local endorsed by the crown, good gentlemen, and those good gentlemen would turn around and sell it. Those good gentlemen oftentimes became the royal governors of those particular colonies and made a shit ton of money reselling pirated goods. Pirates did not sell their goods to the colonies at the the top price, they would sell them at a reduced cost. So therefore, the royal governor or the business there that they were working for could make a profit on it. So the entire concept of the sovereign by its name and by who they represent makes zero sense on a story or a historical sense. It makes zero sense. Because a group like that would never not take a profit. They would never not take a cut. Let's move to the game design side of the sovereign. The game design side. Let's say some people said the sovereign was necessary for balance with reapers. Okay, let's let's stop a moment on that one and break it down. If you are a Reaper, you can take everything to Reaper's Hideout. You can drop it off there and sell everything at Reaper's Hideout. If you have a flag up, you get an additional amount of money for everything. It's quick. It's easy. It's one selling point. Drop it all. Sell it to one dude. That's it. No, nothing else. Just blah, blah. Okay. You take the same loot to an outpost, pre-sovereign's. And you had to drop it off, and then you had to take the gold to the gold order, the skulls to the order of souls, the merchant shit to the merchant, the, the doubloon stuff to Lorena, the, the Athena stuff over to the, the stranger. That's a lot of running. And you didn't get the same cut as if you were, you know, selling to Reapers. Well, why? That took more time, more effort from the player, took them away from selling sailing the seas more? Well, that seems like a barrier we need to to work on. Minimize selling time and get players back to playing quicker. That makes sense, right? That makes sense. So let's create a vendor that you just drop everything off. And if you took part in our captaincy, if you bought a boat, you can drop everything at the sovereign and sell everything to the sovereign. You take no penalty whatsoever. And you sell in one location makes zero sense. We already talked about the story, the, the, the story and historical wise, why it makes no sense. But now if we drop everything and we take no penalty and let's remember, if you want to sell at reapers with a flag, you're marked on the map. If you just sell at Reapers to sell at Reapers, that's fine, right? You're not marked on the map. You don't get the, the bonus or anything like that. You just sell and you get that. But if you have a flag on, you're marked on the map. You are paying to get that bonus. You are paying to get the bonus ability to sell in one location with the risk of running the Reaper flag. You are running the reaper emissary you are marked on the map everyone knows where you are they can come hunt you they can come kill you that is what you are paying to get the service of a quick and easy sell you are paying with risk to gain reward speed and efficiency put in the sovereign And no matter which flag you have, you do not run the same risk as a Reaper, but you are now receiving the exact same benefit. You added zero risk to players, but you gave them the exact same benefit. Now there is zero reason, absolute zero reason to run a Reaper Emissary, period. Yes, you can still sell everything to Reaper, but you can do that to the Sovereign. Will you get all the kickbacks for the different trading companies? No, you will not. You will still get the trading company um, specific that you have flag up, but it's still quicker and easier and faster. And it's quicker and easier and faster than Reapers. So you've gained more efficiency. You've gained more speed. And you've risked nothing. You have risked zero and you've gained more efficiency and more speed in selling than the group who has to pay their risk to get that reward. That is why it's poor balancing. If they wanted to balance this properly, you don't just instill one location for people who have captaincy, to sell everything and, and get no reduced value what you do is one you turn the little dial to give people more money for selling to the gold hoarders the merchant alliance the order of souls or you take the dial on reapers and you turn it down a couple notches so you're not getting the the higher and higher benefit you don't just put someone in that you have to risk nothing and you still get the single point of sell benefit. I was perfectly fine back before they introduced Sovereign. I know not everyone was because people were complaining, well, it takes too long to sell and this is bullshit. I want to get back up. You know what? Just drop your loot over the side then if it's taking too long to sell. No, I want my gold. Then go take the time to sell it or put up the damn Reaper flag, you know, reach down in your pants and grab your big old man junk and actually put on a Reaper flag and pay the risk to get that reward. The concept of players wanting everything and not giving anything or taking a risk to get it is absolute and utter bullshit. It blows my mind that people think they can get, 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 take, take, take mine, mine, mine and do nothing zero to get that benefit. It's how the real world is too, right? It's how the real world everyone wants mine, mine, mine now, 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 give me, give me, give me, but I'm not going to do anything for it. You just give me, you give me what I want and that's, and then I'm happy. I don't have to do anything for it, but you give me what I want. It's not good balance because now, like I said, aside from the ability to sell everything and get the bonus gold for all, for, for all the items, there is zero benefit for running the Reaper emissary. Now you pay the risk, but you get the same reward as everyone who is not paying for the risk. So on a game design side, it's not good balance. It's not good. On a historical and a so uh, and a story level, it makes zero sense. Zero sense. And again, from whoever's out there listening and yelling at your radio but this is a fantasy game there's magical sirens and there's and there's crab monsters and resurrected skeletons you can't talk about historical accuracy there yes I can I can and I will because multiple times the Sea of Thieves creative director has said that Sea of Thieves exists inside of our world surrounded by the Shroud that's why we don't know where it is and there are very few people in the Sea of Thieves who were born there, which means the majority of people are coming from the outside in with pre-existing economic systems. And if you name the sovereign, trust me, you're not going to want to give up the profit margin that you had on the outside world just because you're coming in. And on a balancing and design standpoint, the sovereign are awful because everyone gets everything, but there is zero payment involved as far as risk. You pay zero risk and you get all the reward. So literally you have taken an imbalance as far as reward where reapers got more reward, but they paid for it with risk and you they, they got the speed and efficiency of unloading and selling at one point where everyone else had to take their loot everywhere. And you've tipped the scales that you now have taken out the risk and made it easier and faster to sell at an outpost than at Reaper. So what is the point? You have taken the balance that was a little off before, and now you've completely shifted in the other direction because the sovereign does not take a cut, which again, flies in the face and gives the middle finger to history and story. It's just makes zero sense. The sovereign were literally put into this game because a whole bunch of whiny bitches out there were tired of running loot around and made enough noise that rare's like, all right, We've got to introduce the Grand Maritime Union somehow. Let's make these people. Let's make the gimme, gimme, gimme people. Let's make the, I don't want to read the Reaper mark because I don't want to be re- marked in the map because I don't like PvP. Let's give them what they want. And start introducing the Grand Maritime Union. And hopefully, there's not a fat asshole out there that'll call us on our poor development as far as a game design, game balance decision, and a poor historical and story decision by introducing them. Too bad I'm that fat asshole. I'm the fat asshole. We're going to talk more about the Sovereigns, though. Um, I want to get into Season 8 Um, and see what season eight is coming before we discuss the sovereign more. I want to see how, if we're going to get into the golden age of piracy, we're going to start entering that era of history. We're going to start seeing a pirate city somewhere. I want to start to see that transition before I go too much deeper into the sovereign as far as a historical context, because I do want to see how rare takes this really bad decision and fuck up in my opinion and turn it into something that I can get behind that is historically sound that's what I want to see can they take this poor designed thing and turn it into something proper and cool when we get closer into the golden age of piracy which again I think is going to happen and we're going to start to see that shift in season eight Um, because then we can start talking about Royal governors and there's a lot of cool ones out there. And namely, like a lot of people are like, but these guys don't look much like Lords and rich people. They've got like tattoos and they look kind of beat up. Well, guess what? There were a lot of Royal governors who didn't look that pretty because, well, When you're going into a new world and you're dealing with pirates, you're dealing with natives and you're dealing with all this other. You needed a hardened person because there is a man we will talk about eventually as we get closer into that period of time. And that man's name is Woods Rogers. That man was mean. That man was as close to a pirate that a freaking royal governor could get. Trust me. That man was nuts. But we'll talk about him closer when we get into that and we see where these sovereigns go as far as story. Um, And as far as historical accuracy, I want to see what Rare does with them. I think the introduction to them, how they were introduced, um, the overall game design of them and the decisions behind balance and the decisions behind not taking a cut. I honestly think that was just fan pandering. I honestly think that was just to make things easier and more simple. And if you're sitting back there, well, games can do that from now again. Not when you're a game that is based in history and people, if, if you sit, here and critique and research and look at lore and story and that matters to you then this should damn well matter to you because this has everything to do with story and historical accuracy that that literally if you care about lore if you give a damn about lore you should be irritated about the sovereign implementation you should and if you don't care about the sovereign implementation and you're just like, well, I like the the faster selling and I like that they don't take a cut. Well, guess what? You don't give a damn about story and lore then. You just want it to be easy and simple and not have to fight for what you get and not have to pay risk to get that reward. Cowards. Put up the flag. Put up the black. Make that flag glow. Call all the people to you. Learn to fight. Fire the cannon, sink some ships, and take that booty. Guys, thank you very much for listening to Pirate Talk Radio this week. We will talk about the adventure next week and my feeling, and I'll give you my rating of it. I really hope it's good. I truly, truly, truly hope it's good. I'm hyped about the trailer. I'm excited to get into it. I do have my reservations, but I think it's going to be good. But, guys, until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Make sure you go over to the YouTube. Make sure you drop a comment in there. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you subscribe. We're getting close to that URL. I really want to get that URL. URL. I think we're less than 25 subscribers away from that URL. So please do go drop that subscribe. Come over, check out the rewards from the patron, patreon.com slash TV. And please come by the Twitch uh, Twitch show, right? Twitch.tv slash Davron. We stream uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So long as I'm not working. Uh, come by the Twitch channel. Say hi. Talk to me live. It doesn't matter what game I'm playing. Uh, New World, Destiny, Hunt, Sea of Thieves. Doesn't matter. We'll talk Sea of Thieves if you want to. Just pop up in the chat and talk about it. I don't care what game I'm playing. I'll talk Sea of Thieves all day, every day. Thank you very much, guys. Love you all. Take care of yourselves and each other. I'll talk to you next week on Pirate Talk Radio.